Galatians chapter number 6. Galatians chapter number 6 tonight. Let me say how proud and encouraged I am to see you in the Lord's house tonight. I don't ever want it to not be said how much your pastor appreciates you being here at any time, but especially on a Wednesday night. I know how hard the devil fights us on a Wednesday, amen? He always makes sure that work goes long and the breaks aren't long enough, and he always makes sure that uh, the night before the sleep we get isn't good enough, and he just always makes sure that our our plate is full on Wednesday nights. And I know a lot of times you have to just fight, claw your way to be here. But I'm proud that you're here tonight. And I trust God's going to speak to your heart. He's given me something that encouraged me, and I trust it'll encourage you as well. Galatians chapter number 6, and I'd like to begin reading in verse number 1. We'll read down to verse number 9. The Word of God says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, Father. I pray that you would speak to each and every heart. We've come tonight with expectant spirits, and we've come tonight because we need to hear from heaven. And so I pray, Father, that you in your faithfulness would deal with us according and after your own will. And Lord, help us to be obedient. Help us to come with our hearts open as recipients of divine truth being uh, dispensed unto us that is uh, deliberately poured into our lives, Lord, knowing that the Holy Spirit knows exactly what we're going through and what we so desperately need. Help us to treat it with that reverence tonight. We know, Father, that if we'll treat it that way, we know that it is in fact that way, and you'll treat it that way. We know that a great work can be done in our lives. Now, Lord, bless this time together. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Galatians chapter number 6 is written to a group of believers that are heavily overburdened. When Paul writes to the church at Galatia, he writes to address the doctrinal heresy of the Judaizers that sought to infuse New Testament Christianity with the yoke of Old Testament bondage. Now, I would remind you of this, that the kind of bonds that they sought and the kind of chains they sought to put on the church at Galatia It's really even more than when we talk about Old Testament Judaism. It's even more than that. Because Old Testament Judaism was never intended to be a burden unto the children of Israel. But because of their disobedience, uh, because actually, in fact, when God intended at uh, Mount Sinai, He intended to deal even then with the nation of Israel in grace. He never asked them to make any promises to Him about any of the commandments that He gave. But the children of Israel, they said, all these things will we do. The Old Testament law was not given to be a burden. It was given that it might be a blessing to the people of God, that it might be a schoolmaster to bring them unto Christ, that it might enrich their lives. The things that the Judaizers were seeking to infuse into New Testament Christianity wasn't even Old Testament Judaism. It was fashioned after it. But we might say this, that 
if Old Testament Judaism, by the time that you get to the life of Christ, the time of Christ, if it was a, a mixed, mingled uh, pot, so to speak, of, of biblical truth and tenets, uh, combined with the traditions of men, and that's what Christ said it was, that they had corrupted the truth of God and that they had taken the traditions of men uh, over the Word of God, then the Judaizers sought to take the worst of that lot and take that and infuse it into New Testament Christianity. And the result was that the church at Galatia was in a mess, man. I mean, whenever Paul talks about it, he says that they're, they're biting, they're devouring one another. He talks about the, uh, the, the suspicions and paranoia, the bickering and the backbiting that was taking place in this church. And legalism was wreaking havoc in this local body. And you would imagine that by the time they received Paul's letter, they just feel war slap out in the spiritual battle. It was not for no reason that Paul exhorted them to not be weary in well-doing. Because the folks that were trying to do right, they probably felt worn out from the spiritual battle that they had been in. They were a group of overburdened individuals. And so the apostle, under divine inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he writes in chapter 6, and he exhorts and instructs them concerning the matter of bearing one another's burdens. I want to take a few moments tonight and give you seven things it takes to be able to bear one another's burdens. Or we might say this, seven characteristics of the type of person that's going to bear each other's burdens. I'll tell you this, man, there's people that I've known in my life that, I mean, the moment that you spent time around them, it was almost miraculous. They just, they wanted to know what you were going through and they had just a keen ability to lift those burdens off your shoulder. When you walked away from them, nothing had changed about your circumstances, but you just felt like a weight had been lifted off of you because somebody came alongside and encouraged you, listened to what you were going through, gave you some spiritual advice, and they took some of that burden off onto themselves. By the same token, man, I've known some people that if you wasn't burdened before you talked to them, you sure would be after you was done. And it seemed like they had an uncanny ability to make your problems worse. I want to be the type of person that lifts burdens off of other people. I want to be the type of person that people walk away from spending time around me and they say, man, I feel encouraged in the Lord. Uh, nothing's changed, but I feel a lot better about what I'm going through. And I believe God can take care of what I'm facing. And I believe that uh, the problem is not as big as I initially thought. I want to be somebody that takes and bears burdens for other people. And I think when we walk through this passage, we find these simple principles. And really, I just want to catalog them for you. I don't even know that I'm going to do a lot of preaching on them. I just want to walk through, and I want you to notice them. Uh, for a little introduction, let me give you one word. It's the first word of this chapter. Notice what Paul says. He says, brethren, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Brethren, can I just say this? It takes a Christian to truly bear another person's burden. Bearing burdens is a distinctly Christian and Christ-like activity. The world may have the ability, when they see some benefit that they can derive to themselves out of it, to muster some semblance of sympathy or empathy, to sort of be the, the common cause in your misery. But only a Christian, born again, indwelt by the Spirit of God, has the motive or the means to come along somebody that's going through something that they didn't cause, that they bear no responsibility for, but will come alongside of them when they have no uh, temporal obligation to do so, and will say, let me help you with what you're going through. 
Christ did this on a daily basis. Everywhere that he went, Christ was distinctly intuitive about what people were going through. When he stood beside the grave of Lazarus and he saw the hurt and the heartache that the mourners were going through, the Bible says he groaned within himself. He bore their burden. And of course, the greatest example of Christ bearing our burden is the burden that He bore up Calvary when He took our sin upon Him. Christ is, always was, always will be a burden bearer. And when we're bearing one another's burdens, in fact, let me say it this way, there's probably not many situations other than bearing people's burdens in which we look more like Jesus. When we're bearing one another's burdens, we look an awful lot like Jesus Christ. It is a distinctly Christian activity. Now here's the question. There's all kinds of Christians. I know good Christians. I know bad Christians. I know mature Christians. I know immature Christians. I know faithful ones. I know unfaithful ones. What kind of a Christian does it take? Once you notice these attributes with me tonight. Look at verse number 1. The Bible says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, notice these next four words, ye which are spiritual. Restore such and one in the spirit of meekness. Let me say, number one, it takes a spiritual Christian to bear the burdens of others. A carnal Christian means somebody that operates in the energy and in the motivation and, and we might say in the motions of the flesh. That's a good Bible word, in the motions of the flesh. What the flesh tells them to do, that's what they want to do. By contrast to that, a spiritual Christian is someone that does not allow the flesh to lead them around by the nose, but instead allows the Spirit of God to be the coordinator and the director and the authority in their life. And I'll tell you this, you'll never bear another person's burden until you let the Spirit of God start to lead you in life. Carnal Christians don't notice the people around them who are struggling. In fact, carnal Christians are normally, they're too absorbed with themselves to see the burdens of others. I've seen people from time to time, you ever, I, I mean, I'm, I'm serious when I say this. I say it tongue in cheek to a degree, but the spirit of it, I absolutely mean a million percent. I've seen people stand at a funeral casket and complain about an ache or a pain. I'm talking about stand at someone else's casket, someone visiting a funeral, and complain about the things that they're going through. Talking to someone that has just lost a loved one, that is grieving, that is mourning, and they walk up to them and immediately begin to make it all about themselves and what they're going through. What they're seeking is for someone else to pick up their burdens, and they're not endeavoring to pick up someone else's burdens. A carnal Christian is absorbed with what they're going through to the degree that they can't even notice someone struggling and going through a hard time. Now, I'll tell you this. There are a lot of people who know how to wear a mask, and it's going to take some investigating. It's going to take some sensitivity to the Spirit of God to be able to discern when they're going through problems. But I also think this, that carnality, it breeds an obliviousness to the problems of others. As we grow in the Lord, just as the Lord was always sensitive to the needs of those around Him, we too will become keen and intuitive and perceptive and sensitive to the needs of people around us. I I just want to ask you this question. When was the last time that you looked around and tried to find a hurting person and help them? When was the last time that you took your eyes off of what you were going through long enough to look at someone else and say, maybe I can be an encouragement or a help to them? One of the best ways you can become a burden bearer for other people, this is real simple, is to grow in your own walk with Christ. Because the closer you grow to Christ, the more of His heart you'll have. And the more intuitive you'll be to the needs of others. Not only does spiritual growth help you see the needs of others, but also it gives you the spiritual strength from the Lord that you need to help bear their burden. 
I'm going to say about it, a word about it before we're done. But it ain't easy work bearing other people's burdens. And you need strength from the Lord to be able to bear up other people's burdens. We can't take the whole world on our shoulders. And I'm not advocating you do it. But maybe we ought to take the person beside us on our shoulders. Maybe we ought to take the person in our church that's struggling on our shoulders. Maybe we ought to take that friend that God's put in our path on our shoulders and encourage them. It takes a spiritual Christian. A carnal Christian's consumed with their paycheck, consumed with their job, consumed with uh, their material possessions, consumed with leisure and recreation, consumed with their own troubles, consumed with uh, themselves, is not going to be keen to the needs of others. And very often what we need to do, what we talked about Miss Jean doing, get over it. Amen. Very often what we need to do is get over ourselves fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do, you know what we'll find? We'll look around just like Christ did, man. He said that the harvest truly is plenteous. He looked around and He said, there's people hurting everywhere. He looked and He saw them scattered as lost sheep. He looked and saw them and He was moved with compassion. He cried over Jerusalem on the eve of His death and He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered thee as a mother hen doth her chicks and you would not. Everywhere He went, He saw hurting people. Now the world's still hurting today. People in your church are hurting. People in your family are hurting. But the question is, are you attuned to their hurting? And are you paying attention to what they're experiencing? Bearing burdens takes a spiritual Christian. Number two, it takes a careful Christian. Look at the next phrase. It says, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. That's interesting what Paul does here. I just got through hammering on the fact that we ain't supposed to be thinking about ourselves if we're going to bear each other's burdens. Could I give a little qualifier? Paul says, well, maybe you should think about yourself, but only in this respect recognizing the propensity of yourself to be in the same situation that that other person is. You've got to be careful bearing other person, other people's burdens for a number of reasons. I'll tell you this, negativity, uh, and we use that term, we could use the term discouragement, uh, we could use the term scorn and scoffing, Whatever term we want to use to associate with people that are not fixing their mind on whatsoever things are pure and lovely and of good report, That negativity, it can infect your life. And you've got to be cautious as you bear one another's burdens that you don't allow yourself to merely become a sounding board for another person's misery. What some people want is someone to tell them how bad they've got it. That's not bearing their burden. Bearing their burden is to point to how good that the God that they serve is. And let me say, we've got to be tactful in how we do this. We don't minimize their struggles, but we do emphasize God's goodness. In other words, you don't go up beside somebody that just got a phone call, told them that, 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 that C word that nobody wants to say, cancer, is in their life. You don't want to go up to them and say, well, hey, listen, it ain't no big deal. You got cancer in a lung, but you got two lungs. You don't ever want to do that. You don't want to go up to somebody that has just lost a child and said, you know, you lost one of your children. Some people have lost all of their children. You don't want to school marm them. You don't want to be rude, you want to be, don't want to be unkind, but you can emphasize the mercy of God. And you can come alongside and say, listen, I know your heart is ripped in two, but how good has God been that you got to have that child for so many years? And praise the Lord that we have the hope of heaven and we're going to see Him again one day and death can't ultimately separate us. There is a way. We do have to be careful. But let me say that the context of this phrase emphasizes that there is a great danger in you and I falling prey to the same temptations 
of the people that we're trying to bear the burdens of. When you're helping bear someone else's burden, particularly when it's a burden related to a struggle with sin, exercise wisdom, integrity, and accountability in your own life to avoid being pulled into another person's temptation. If we spend too much time around it without trying to elevate them out of it, and we just sit there in their misery with them, there's a great danger that we fall into the same thing that they're struggling with. And so we always have, and Christ was a perfect example of this. The Bible says this, that He was a friend of publicans and sinners. But in the same breath, the Bible also says He was altogether separate from sinners. This, I think, is the truth being conveyed, that He was always kind, He was always compassionate, He was always there for them. He was not willing to be there with them in their sin, but He was always there for them in their sin, if that makes sense. What I'm saying is this, you've got to be cautious. And I've known people that have burnt themselves out trying to fix the world's problems because they didn't seek to elevate them out of their burden by pointing to the God that's bigger than their problem. Instead, they came in and tried to be a Messiah themselves and fix all their problems and carry all of their weights and do it themselves. I'm saying this, a a burden bearer can bear burdens because he has a God with bigger shoulders than all of us do. And the help comes not from saying, let me fix your problems, but it comes from saying, I know a God that can fix your problems. Let me help you get to Him. Let me pray with you uh, unto Him. Let me tell you about Him. You have to be careful. It takes a careful Christian to bear burdens. Look at verse number 2. Paul says, bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Let me say that it takes a dutiful Christian to bear one another's burdens. Very simply, bearing other people's burdens is not optional for the child of God. It's not an elective in, in the schoolhouse of New Testament Christianity. It's not something that we say, well, some people are gifted for that, but I'm not gifted for that. Paul calls it the law of Christ. In other words, he's saying this, if we can look at Sinai and derive 600 and some odd commandments from it, then when we look at Christ, we can derive a lot of things, one of them being an example of bearing the burdens of other people in their lives. If we're supposed to be like Jesus, and I think we all admit we are, then how could we claim that we're walking like Christ if we're not seeking to alleviate the hurting and the pain and the spiritual uh, besetting dangers in other people's lives? It's not an optional thing for a child of God. You're called. Every mature Christian within the local church is called to bear burdens. Now here is where we get to the dutiful part. Are you ready? Sometimes you ain't going to feel like it. Sometimes you ain't going to feel like it. Let me tell you something. Can I just, can I be honest? You say, well, I hope so, preacher. Can I, can I just be honest with you? I'm a pastor, in case you didn't know that. My phone rings time after time after time. And there are times when you feel like, and it's not that you don't love the person on the other end of that phone, and it's not that you don't want to help them, but there's times when the weight is so heavy that you're going through in your own life. And some of you know you've experienced this too with other Christians that you think to yourself, man, I just don't know if I can answer that phone call. I don't know if I can answer that message. I don't know if I can go meet with that person. Because what I'm going through, it just feels like it's all I can have on my shoulders. And in those moments, when the flesh doesn't want to, it's going to take some commitment, some sense of duty to step up to the task. I wish I could tell you, and there's some people that are addicted to the feeling of being a deliverer. 
They're addicted to the feeling of being a Messiah, a Savior in people's lives. These are normally the type of people that will only help other people when they get a great sense of gratification out of it. And this, by the way, that's a counterfeit for grace-motivated bearing of other people's burdens. There's people that only want to help other people, and they'll say it this way, I'm not going to help them if they're not appreciative. What they mean by that is if I can't get out of it what I emotionally need to get out of it, then I have no interest in putting anything into it. Let me say this, there is a time when we are not encouraging and elevating other people, we are enabling them. And I'm keenly aware of that. I'm not saying we need to be the ATM for the world or the world's punching bag. But I am saying this, that there's going to be times that we do it, not because it feels good, not because we're excited about it, but because we know it's our responsibility as a Christian. And they're looking to us because we're the closest thing to Christ that they know. And what we do and how we respond is going to be reflective of what they think of Jesus Christ. It takes a dutiful Christian. Look at verse 3. Paul says, For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. And I like what Paul says here. Look at verse 4. Read it carefully. Let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. This is what I think Paul is saying. As soon as you learn to never need help, you can expect to never have to help anyone else. But until the day comes that you don't need help, and here's what he's getting at, at the end of the day we all need help. I don't care who you are. You know why? Because every man will bear his own burden. There's not a person walking around here that doesn't have problems. Everybody has their own burdens they're bearing. And it is the recognition of this universal reality that enables and equips us to bear the burdens of other people. You see, people that think that they've got it all figured out or try to pretend as though they have it all figured out, they rarely are mindful to help those that are struggling. And this is why humility is so key and foundational to the ability to bear one another's burdens. If you're still telling yourself... And by the way, you can tell yourself that. Look what he says. He says, he deceiveth himself. He dece- You can deceive yourself into believing that you've got no problems in life, that you've got it all figured out, that you don't need nobody's help. But if my Bible's correct, there ain't a one of us that doesn't need help. You've deceived yourself into, and people that have deceived themselves into thinking that, they are rarely mindful of the heartaches and hurt of other people. You see people like this on social media all the time. Man, they don't ever have a problem. And most of the time when they interact with people, all they ever want to do is talk about how awesome they are. Heard a preacher say yesterday, he said, I don't like the kind of preachers that go around signing their own Bibles. Amen. And I know preachers like that. Man, they don't ever have a struggle. They just walk on clouds all the time and they're just in another dimension. They're not, they don't deal with problems like everybody else does. And most of the time, those are the hardest nosed preachers without any grace whatsoever that just want to draw a line and say, now walk it. You better be careful with that because listen, if you want mercy, you better show yourself merciful. Sooner or later, reality will come crashing into their life too. And they'll have to admit with shamefacedness that they're not perfect, that they need help just like everybody else needs help. And it's only then that they'll be able to bear burdens. When we humble ourselves enough to recognize that ain't a one of us got everything figured out. We all need help. We all need encouragement. Once we recognize that, that equips us 
You see, God's not looking for, for superheroes to bear each other's burdens. He's looking for regular folks that have problems of their own, that struggle themselves, and that know what those struggles are to such a degree that they can look at somebody else going through it and say, hey man, I know where you're at. I know what it's like to be going through what you're going through. God helped me through it. He'll help you through it. It takes a humble Christian. Let me say, look at verse number 6. I've always thought this was interesting. Mr. Schofield calls this the case of a teaching brother. Maybe there's some application there. But I want to give you a little bit different perspective on it. Paul says, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Now, I don't dispute that there's probably an application of this verse that just relates to teaching in the local church. But it's interesting, the language. Him that is taught. Now, who is that? Who are people that are taught? People that need to learn something. That's you, that's me. We ain't got it all figured out. Let him that is taught, let him that is taught in the Word, communicate, talk with, converse, unto him that teacheth in all good things. There was a verse that came to my mind when I read this. John says in 1 John 2.27, But the anointing which ye have need, or which ye have received of him, abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. John there is talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believers. And he's not suggesting that we don't have any need of earthly teachers, but he is saying this, that we have no need of extra scriptural revelation because the author of scripture resides within us and he can minister the truth to us through the word of God. God doesn't have to give us a vision. He gave us a Bible. God doesn't have to give us an awakening. He gave us the Holy Ghost within us and he gave us a Bible and he can say everything he needs to say to us with those two entities. John's saying, uh, combating the heresies of the Gnostics, that you don't need a special revelation. The Holy Ghost can teach you anything you need to know from that Bible. But it reminds me that the one that teacheth us in all good things is the Holy Spirit of God. Christ said that He would be with us forever and that He would guide us in all truth. And I jotted this down. It takes a tactful Christian to bear one another's burdens. We sort of hit on this a little bit when we talked about a spiritual Christian. But can I say this? We must have the leading of the Holy Spirit as we bear the burdens of others. I am intimidated, cowed, humbled, a little scared every time I step into this pulpit. Do you know why? Because I have the task of getting up and giving one message to 40, 50, 80, 100, 120, however many of God's children have gathered in the house that day to a multitude of hearts. How could anyone do that? How could I ever preach something? I mean, if you think about this in, in temporal terms, in human terms, how could I ever say something that's going to say to Tim what he needs to hear and is going to say to Larry what he needs to hear and is going to say to Mike what he needs to hear and yet I've only got one message and only got the time to preach one thing? How could that ever take place? Only by the Spirit of God guiding what's said and then making distinct application in the hearts of the hearers could such a thing transpire. Can I flip that around and say this? You know why it's such a difficult thing? The reality is this. If I had enough time, I could preach a message for every person in this room. 
But you know what makes that an impossibility? I don't know what's going on in your heart. Only God does. And so He is able through His infinite wisdom and His miraculous influence to take the the muddled up words that I may sort of spit out of my mouth during a sermon and use them to minister exactly what you or I need in our lives. He does that in the sermon, but can I say He also does that in the suffering that we endure and experience. How are we going to know what the right thing is to say if the Spirit of God is not leading us in what we say? There's no way I could know what's going on in your life, everything that's going on in your life. Not every person with a burden walks around announcing his or her burden. In fact, most probably don't. That's why we must remain sensitive and obedient to the Holy Spirit. Often He'll prompt us to minister to someone who's carrying a burden that we know nothing about. Can I read something to you at this point? I I wasn't sure if I was going to do this or not, but I had it open just in case. Uh, Back... About a month ago, I texted a preacher friend of mine, and just very simply, on one Friday night, I messaged him, and I said, lifting you up in prayer. That's all I said. God had laid him on my heart. It wasn't some great miraculous message. And by the way, I'm no hero for typing out a few things and sending it to somebody. I just said, lifting you up in prayer. A few days later, he texted me, and he said, do you remember... Uh, let's see, hold on, let me scoot down. He says, uh, you have no idea, but the night that you text me saying you were praying, I was facing one of the darkest trials of my life. He said, it means a lot. We've been facing some family difficulties, and it's been hard, but at the same time, God has provided grace. Now, he would have never probably called me and said, hey, would you pray for me? But because of the Holy Ghost, he didn't have to. And it meant a lot more because he understood that it was not me doing something for him because I didn't know what he was going through. It was God doing something for him. I'm saying we've got to be tactful. We've got to know the right things to say. And as a preacher of the Word of God, let me be the first to admit to you that it's not within human capacity to know the right things to say. It's only the Spirit of God that can guide us, that can direct us in what we need to say. takes a tactful Christian. Look at verse 7. Paul says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Again, I think it's easy to blow past that and not make any application in relation to the bearing of burdens. But the bearing of burdens is what Paul has been talking about. And he introduces a spiritual principle, which is this. What you invest in, you get a return upon. If you invest in carnality, if you invest in the flesh, you will reap of the flesh corruption. But if you invest spiritually in things, you will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And I wrote it down this way. It takes an intentional Christian, an intentional Christian, to bear one another's burdens. Like a farmer planting seed, it takes willingness, vision, investment, and even risk to care for others. It's not something that you do just by happenstance. It's something you do because you believe in the spiritual harvest that results from investing in somebody's life. It's not just because, and this is why I say it's it's not about being able to swoop in on a white horse and be someone's Messiah and someone's Savior. If that's what you're doing, then it's not about Christ. It's about you. And that's of the flesh. That's not of the Spirit. It's not about deriving some kind of emotional payoff from it. But it's about investing spiritually in someone's life and recognizing that if you'll bear their burdens spiritually, 
then God will be able through that to grow them in grace. It's so easy, isn't this true, to become stingy with our time and resources? We all are guilty of it. Listen, I know people in ministry that the greatest hindrance to their ministry is that they won't be free in the investment of their time in the lives of other people. They always want to partition off their life and give God a little slice of it, but make sure that they have every other area of their life dedicated some portion of their time to. And they want that. And really what happens is they schedule God into about a two-hour corner. And if he can't get it done in those two hours, it just don't get done. The reality is this. It's easy to become stingy with our time. It's easy to say, I just don't have time for this person. I don't have time for that person. One thing I've learned in a few years of pastoring, some people take more time than others. It's the truth. Some people take more time than others. And not because they're intending to but just because spiritually that's where they're at in their life. And we need to recognize that we're going to have to be intentional in ministering in their lives if we're going to bear their burdens. We're not going to do it by accident. We're going to have to set aside the time. And a real burden bearer is intentional, dedicated, and selfless in their investment in the lives of others. They sow their caring compassion knowing that it will produce a spiritual harvest, that God's going to bring something good out of that thing. That God's going to grow that person through it. That God's going to encourage that person through it. It takes an intentional Christian. Finally, and I'm done tonight, look at verse number 9. Paul says, Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Finally, it takes a faithful Christian to be a burden-bearer. You know, sometimes you're going to help people and they're not going to appreciate it. Sometimes you're going to try to help them and they're going to discard or or disregard or even despise the help that you've tried to give them. Sometimes they'll do this and then they'll come back later and want help again. I can't tell you the numbers of times that I have counseled people, watch them turn around and completely ignore the counsel I gave them, get right back into the mess they were in, then turn around, come right back to me and say, Preacher, I just don't know what I'm doing wrong. And I, and it makes you want to, that's why I ain't got no hair left. I pulled it all out. Because you want to say, I gave you counsel. I gave you advice. I told you what to do. But you refused it. And it's very easy to write those people off and to not exhibit faithfulness in their life. Burden bearing is hard. In our flesh, we get tired of doing it. It gets wearisome to us. But if we desire the fruit, we're going to have to exhibit the faithfulness recognizing, and here's the disconnect. We oftentimes say this to ourselves, well, they're never going to learn. Well, if you were doing it because you expected them to learn, then you were doing it for the wrong reason in the first place. If you were doing it because it honors God, if you were doing it because it pleased the Lord, if you were doing it because you knew God would honor you for doing it, then none of those things matter. All that matters is that you obeyed the Lord. And you'll be ready at that next, not obligation, but opportunity to pour yourself into their life. Recognizing that God will bless it. Some people take more time than others. It's going to take faithfulness. But I I believe that if we will be faithful to minister in people's lives, to be present there for them, to bear their burdens, to point them to Christ, to point them to the Word of God, sooner or later, either in their life, in another one, or in the life to come, One way or another, God's going to honor that and bless it. And we do it not because we think we're going to derive some benefit from them. We do it because we owe a debt to the one that bore our burdens and that still bears our burden, casting our care upon Him for He careth for you. That's why we do it. We do it because 
we've already been able to throw our burdens on His shoulders. Now here, let me give you a simple truth. Some of us, we can't be a burden bearer because we're still carrying our own. We've got to cast ours on Him before anybody else can cast theirs on us. So I wonder what you're burdened down with tonight. And can I remind you that you've got one that sits upon the throne of glory that careth for you. And he's got big shoulders. His arms are big enough that the world rests in the everlasting arms. The universe was meted out in the span of his hand. The oceans were meted out in the lines in his palm. Imagine how big his shoulders are. And if you'll just bring your burdens to him, you know what he'll do? It's not to say he'll fix every problem that you have before you get up from this altar. But it is to say that he'll say, I'll go with you. And I'll encourage you and I'll give you the strength and I'll give you guidance and I'll give you wisdom. And you just go ahead and put your yoke upon me, take my yoke upon you, and you'll find that my burden is light.